What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to Wealth Managed. I'm Michael Finca, Professor of Wealth Management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, Head of Retirement Research at PGM. And today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. I recently had to do an article for Advisor Perspectives where I reviewed a new book by Peter Atia called Outlive. And one of the points that Peter makes in his book that is relevant for us in financial services is this idea that health is an investment. Now, David, what is, to an economist, what is an investment? An investment is, as I recall, from the days that you taught me as a PhD professor, um, was if you forego something of value for like delayed gratification. I'm going to save in my 401k because I want to retire eventually. Right. So it is, it's a sacrifice. Yes. Anytime we invest, it's a sacrifice. So if I ate a salad for lunch today, instead of going to White Castle, then that would represent a huge sacrifice. Disagree, I like salads. On, uh, yeah, you're just, <laughs> differences in preferences here. But, but that's, to an economist, that's what we think about when we think about an investment. So when we invest money, we are taking money that we could have spent on going on vacation or buying fun stuff, buying a nicer car, or, you know, we, there's all sorts of things that would make us happy if we spent money on it today. But instead, we take a part of our income and we put it into a savings account, into our 401k. That is a sacrifice that we make in order to live better in the future. So money in our 401k is really stored sacrifice. It represents all of these months that we decided not to spend the money on fun stuff, but instead we put it in this account. All we get are dots on a computer screen and dots on a computer screen that we can turn into green paper, but that's not necessarily what makes us happy. But we sacrifice because we think that the sacrifice is going to be, it's going to make us better off in the future. It's going to make our lives better. We don't know though, right? There's, it's uncertain, right? So you're making no, a decision. That's true. Right? You're making this decision to save where like you could save a bunch of money and still have less than you, than you be, even, you know, began with right? right after 20 or 30 years, but in theory, right? Well, you know, and that, that introduces another aspect of financial theory. And that is that we make our decision today based on the best evidence that we have, but nothing is certain. So when I'm investing in stocks, for example, I could spend more in the future or I could spend less, but it is what we like to call, because we like to use fancy words for yes. very basic concepts. We call it stochastic, which is basically random. So when we invest, we, we do it so that we can live better in the future, but I don't know how much better I'm going to live in the future because that's partially up to what happens in markets. Now, one of the points that Peter Atia makes is that health is an investment because it requires sacrifice. We have to take time and effort to exercise. We forego better tasting foods. We eat healthier. You know, we, we make fun. sacrifices. For some of us, it's a greater sacrifice than others. For me, it's definitely a greater sacrifice than it probably is for you because I, <laughs> I like food that tastes good and I don't love exercising, but I do it because I want to be able to live better. Now, I, I think, imagine this, you're saving, like, I like hiking. It's one of my things that I like doing in my free time. 
And so I'm saving money so that I can afford to go on hiking vacations after I retire. So I'm going to, you know, rent a chalet and I'm going to fly somewhere interesting and I'm going to go on a mountain and I'm going to go hiking. But unless I have a VO2 max that's 30 or higher, I'm going to be able to get to the mountain, but I'm not actually going to be able to hike up the mountain. So if I'm not able to maintain my body's ability to process oxygen, essentially what I've done is I've sacrificed so that I could go hiking after retirement, but then I haven't also sacrificed so that I'm physically capable of doing it. That to me, it really resonated because if I'm not making both an investment in my health and an investment in my money, then what's the use of the sacrifice that I'm making in my money? So when you're, what motivates you to exercise, David? Like, why do you get up in the morning and go for a run? So I like going for a job. You're so it, weird. It helps. So I, what I have learned is that I think better, I process better when I exercise. I don't mind eating healthy. Um, but I think to your point, I also want to be healthy for longer. I, I acknowledge the uncertainty, the stochasticity, a fun word to say, of of these outcomes, but I also know, I think you also train yourself to enjoy things you don't necessarily like out of the gate if it's good for you. So I try to kind of, you know, make myself do things I think will have positive dividends long-term. So I agree. Now let's go back to the stochasticity of health investment yes. because, you know, I could take up running and, and I could, you know, get my VO2 max up into the 50s and 60s and make a huge investment in health, big time sacrifice, big effort sacrifice. And then I could just get hit by a bus at 60. So there's no guarantee that the sacrifices that I'm making are actually going to pay out. And everybody has an example of a relative who smoked their entire life and ate whatever they wanted. And they lived until they were 95. Mm -hmm. But that's what we call in statistics. Luck. But what do we call that? What's the term? It's an outlier. Uh, there's always going to be outliers. So what we have to do is we actually have to look at the data and that's what science is all about. It's getting a big sample size and seeing on average, what are these changes that I can make in my lifestyle that are gonna have the biggest impact on, and you mentioned this also, it's called, you know, we, we have a lifespan, which is how long we're going to live, but there's also this idea of a health span, which is how long we can maintain our health so that we can actually enjoy life. So, you know, at what age am I going to stop being able to hike up a mountain? Is it going to be 70? Is it going to be 85? Well, that's kind of up to me. I'm maintaining my health span by putting in the time and effort to maintain my ability to exercise. But again, that's an investment. It could pay out. It could not be. I could get cancer that, you know, and, and I think the same thing happens in the financial sector. Some people just get lucky. And, and by the way, as an aside, I think that in the era of TikTok, that oftentimes outliers can have the wrong outcome on people who like to watch financial podcasts because people who have gotten lucky, they will immediately go on a podcast and tell everybody what their secret was to success. But that doesn't necessarily translate into higher average success for most people. So people will tell you you shouldn't go to college. You know, and there are people who became billionaires that didn't go to college. 
But when you look at the data, on average, going to college means you're going to make more money mm -hmm. and it's you're going to be happier. You know, it's a good investment, especially if, you know, it, it depends on what your major is, but it can be an excellent investment in human capital. There's all sorts of other financial decisions that we can make along the way that may not be very popular in the TikTok world because they're boring, but on average, they're going to lead to greater success over time. Like something as simple as investing in a 401k. Some people like to put it down because it does, it's not sexy. You know, you can invest in crypto and double your money in a month, but- You can, I can't do that. Well, yeah, because I watch all the TikTok things. You know, th this problem of outliers, I think it affects the way a lot of people make decisions. It can push them in the wrong direction. So essentially when you have- financial education, you're trying to give people evidence-based information that can help them on average make better decisions. And again, one of the purposes of a book like that is to go through all the evidence on what people can do to invest in their health that's actually going to result in better health outcomes according to what the data says. So better expected. Ex expe that's a great expected point. Health expected health outcomes. health outcomes because it is stochastic. That's right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. Hey, let's get back to our conversation. So some important points here about, first of all, investment in health should be complementary to investing in money. Because if you don't have the health, then what good is the money? And another point also is investing in relationships. Like what is the point of living to your 100 if you're alone and, and miserable? So, you know, we make these complementary investments so that we can live better in the future. But we also have to recognize that to do it right, we really have to look at the data. We have to use an evidence-based approach. And books like this, and also personal finance books that are well-written and research-based, are also a great way for people to understand what the data says about the decisions that they can make that are actually going to, on average, result in better outcomes. To me, there's this notion of like trade-offs here, right? I mean, in theory, you can you can have it all at time, but in reality, you know, time is, is a finite resource, right? So the more that you invest in relationships, the more that you invest in health, there's a decent chance you're going to be doing less investing, for example, in your in your work or human capital, right? So I think like the, is, is the key balancing all this based upon kind of what your preferences are across all these dimensions? Like, how do you think about it more holistically? You know, and I think the, the key to balancing is that you're doing everything efficiently. So when I'm investing, I am, for the sacrifice I'm making and spending today, I'm getting the biggest possible outcome. And when I'm making an investment in health, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm making choices that are going to result in the best outcome. So I know how to do strength training and interval training effectively. You know, I know how to spend only an hour a day, but get the maximum potential expected benefit from exercising. Same thing with relationships. You know, I'm doing it effectively. I'm, I'm doing my homework. I'm understanding how to nurture close relationships with other human beings. And I think the key to the benefit of knowledge is that you're able to do all those things more effectively so that the sacrifices that you make, you can get the biggest bang for your buck. Cool. This is Chris, one of the producers of the program. So if I'm an advisor and one of my very well-off clients who I've done very well with investing, he and his spouse happen to be obese. 
and really not in a, a good objective state of health. What is my advice to these people, Michael? Well, I am not a financial counselor, so I'm not an expert in this area. But one of those things that you might consider doing is building their imagination capital. So why are you saving this money? What are your goals? And then when you get to retirement, if your goals are going to require a certain amount of physical capability, then you know maybe we could think of ways of optimizing. That might include both saving money, but also hiring some sort of a personal trainer or finding an expert in an area that could help you get the most out of your money in the future. I think that's the benefit of expertise. You're hiring me to help you with your money, but it's not going to work if you don't actually have the ability to enjoy it. I guess this speaks again to our dialogue about behavioral finance and how advisors contribute to behavioral shifts as well. Wouldn't you concur? Right. You know, and, and so often we make choices that sacrifice our future outcomes because it's so difficult to counteract those habits. I mean, habits are so incredibly powerful, whether it's health habits or money habits. You know, and this is why to the extent that you can actually use outside experts to help you manage those habits or maintain better quality habits or get you on some sort of uh it takes about a month to break a habit so if you can somehow hire an expert to help you develop those habits that are then going to manifest themselves long term that can be a, an important investment and even something like a marriage counselor see it as an investment it's an investment in improving the quality of the relationship that you have with your spouse that you're going to draw from in retirement. You know, it's everybody is important to saving more money, the ability to actually enjoy spending time with your spouse. That may require an investment in an expert, but it's probably going to pay out in the long run. And none of this has much to do with long-term health insurance, et cetera. I mean, this is not about that money and that yeah. investment I put aside, right? This is the capital I have inside my body in a sense, right? Well, but to some extent it could reduce the healthier you are, you're going to reduce the, the likelihood of these shocks, right? There's going to be some positive long-term benefit towards being healthy, right, Michael? Well, right. Um, so one of the reasons that you invest in your health is so that you can reduce the probability, the susceptibility of disease. And one of the things that we've learned from the COVID era is that people who invested less in their health were more vulnerable to succumbing to the disease and any disease is like that. So the more vulnerable you are, uh, the more deterioration you've experienced, the more likely it is that you're not going to have the defenses to be able to manage something, which is absolutely random and negative. You know, disease is something that you simply can't anticipate, but you're in a better position to manage it if you're in better health. Okay, well, it sounds like it's time for Michael to start his half marathon training here shortly. So yeah, I Michael. totally, you know, I, I, by the way, White Castle is just down the street. We're here in Las <laughs> Vegas today. That's all I can think about. So after I go to White Castle, I'm going to start my training regimen. Well, thank you for joining us for this Wealth Managed Podcast. I'm Michael Finca. And I'm David Blanchett. See you all later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services.